Chance the Rapper during that SNL skit. It's time to do that hockey, and uh, the season is getting closer. I'm really excited, and big expectations for ASU going into this new year. Well, you did say the season is getting closer, and that is right. The girls are practicing right behind us, getting ready because they do have the season opener coming up this month. But, guys, some rookies. Let's talk about the rookies right now. What are the uh, upcoming rookies we have here on this team? Absolutely. We have a lot of rookies that are coming up on this team. There's a lot of exciting names to look out for, and Coach Lindsey Ellis has put on more since we last talked. Uh, one that really stands out to me that she added on is goaltender Brookie Kimball. She was added in uh, last uh, prospect tournament, and that was someone that very much anticipates me and excites me because that means Quinn Anger has competition in the backup role. Anna Coons and Paige Ring also in the lineup right now practicing behind us. They're probably the most anticipated rookies of the year, uh, along with Brian Powell. All these guys are very speedy, which really will help this team uh, more than last year, and that's what they want to do, get speedier. And that's what's going to really impact them and help them hopefully achieve their goal of going far in Nationals. So you talked about Kimmel uh, joining the roster, and basically now that gives Quinn Eatinger some more competition because obviously – Hallie McClellan was one, or I'm sorry, uh, McClellan was one of the people who uh, uh, was not returning. So it, it really did leave a hole in the, the goaltending scheme, which was it was going to be Hellman, Etinger, and usually you want to have just that third goalie on the roster, even though two goalies are going to dress per game. But I think another rookie that uh, you talked heavily about during the offseason was, in fact, Brienne Powell, because she definitely has a lot of potential and. I think a lot of people compared her to uh, Sam Murphy and basically just plays that similar style. And ASU, they need a lot of scoring options because they definitely have some holes to fill in terms of just trying to find the offensive production, especially with the subtraction of someone like Mason Walker, who was one of their point-per-game players last season. So we know Mason, you know, Mason Walker also leaving the team, but let's talk about some of the returners here on this team coming back. And, you know, one of those players that are coming back we didn't see last year really is Joe Ketchum. Injured, now coming back, you can see her moving around a little bit after coming off the ACL injury. But what do you think we should expect from her this season, Chase? Because we know she's going to be united again with Sam Murphy, your old line mate. Absolutely. I mean, Joe Ketchum is probably one of the most anticipated players of the year. Coming back from injury, we haven't seen her in a long, long time since December of last year. She's going to be reunited with Sam Murphy for the first time since the 2021-2022 season, and she's going to have more line minutes to play with, like Cindy Paulson, that arguably were better than the 2021-2022 line mates that she had. Listen, Jill Catchum probably won't return until a couple of months from now, maybe November or October-ish. I would expect her around there, but I would expect a very, very good season from her, especially being reunited with someone like Sam Murphy. Expect her probably within the 20, 30 point range. I mean, that's the type of potential this player has and the type of potential that she definitely has with a linemate like Sidney Paulson and Sam Murphy. So you talked about Jill Ketchum. We actually spoke with her uh, yesterday in an interview, and obviously she said she's doing some on-ice stuff with her glove and stick, so not fully dressed, not even in a no-contact <laughs> uniform. But she's getting closer to it, but 
we always talk about it's a slow process, don't want to expedite it and possibly run into some complications. So at the end of the day, you said Jill will be a huge addition on the offensive side of things. I'd say last year was a bit of a struggle for her first half of the year because I think her offensive production went down a little bit. But once again, ASU, they do need some more offensive dynamic weapons. And I think Ketchum could definitely play a factor in it. And I think adding on to what you said, Trey, I think a huge reason why you saw a dip in production is because that was the first time she played without Sam Murphy and her usual linemates in a whole year. Now that she's going to be back with someone like Sam Murphy, I expect her to pick up the production. I know she was going all across the lineup last year, but now that she'll be reunited with a linemate, a familiar face, and Sam Murphy, I really think I have true belief in Jill Ketchum and her uh, return to her 2021-2022 production. Well, it should be good, and we'll see the offense going. But, you know, how good of an offense is without goaltending? And, you know, speaking of goaltending, Carson Hellman, she was solid last year, you know, stepping in. How about her, and what is she looking like? And we saw, you know, goaltending coach Kaylee Marino leave and move on. So they brought in another goaltending coach. Chase, tell us about that. Yeah, they brought in Evan Hauser from uh, the Anchorage, Alaska program, NCAA program. He was a goaltender there. Um, I mean, this is a great addition for ASU. I feel like Evan Hauser is a great goaltender coach. You see him in the background working with Carson Hellman multiple times throughout the practice, keep an eye on him. Um, but he has done some incredible things with Carson Hellman. And of course, Carson Hellman won the MVP for the playoffs last year in WWCHL tournament. So she's only going to get better from here. This is the first time that she'll have the starter net going into the season because the last two seasons it was Holly McClellan. Now it's going to be all Carson Hellman. We'll see what she can do. I'm more interested in the backup position. What is Quinn Inger going to do this year? She has competition in Brooklyn Kimmel now, but this is the first time she is going to go into a full-time role going into the season. She, she has that backup role right now locked down, if I would say so. What is she going to do? Is she going to play one more game than last season? You know, Chase, too, just kind of piggybacking off that, too, with, with Quinn coming into this season, then, you know, how many games do you expect her to be starting, getting those, some of those starting roles? Because we know we didn't see her too much last year, did get that first start against Denver back in Colorado, but, you know, how many games do you expect her to get between the pipes this year? Yeah, I think um, Quinn's going to get a lot more games, honestly. I think, um, arguably, she'll be a more important player than last year. She only played one game last year, and that was against the University of Denver. And no offense to Denver, they were a pretty bad team. I think Quinn is going to see a lot more ice time because you do not want to tire Carson Hellman out. You don't want to tire her out going to the playoffs, and especially if they're going to try to make a long run. You want to make sure Quinn's getting some games in there. And I think, you know, since she does have more experience than Brooklyn Kimmel, she's going to see a lot more games. I would expect her uh, towards the end when they're playing weaker teams like Denver, like Utah, the WWCHL teams, I think you're going to see Quinninger more in there. Yeah, I think uh, the thing that ASU had to work on, especially second half of the year, was when McClellan was uh, made ineligible. Hellman had to step into the role and basically just try to hold her end of the bargain in between the pipes. And I think she did a phenomenal job because, like you both alluded to, she won MVP at the conclusion of the WWCHL championship. So I think Carson Hellman, given the fact that this is now her starting role from start to finish, I think we'll see more consistency in terms of uh, net performance. But obviously, you talked about Kimmel, you talked about Etinger. I think, given the veteran experience, and this is just based on me speculating and basically what I see like these last few years of covering ACHA it's just like usually you lean towards the person who has the most experience on your roster 
the veteran who's been around the block before. And no disrespect to Kimmel or anything, but Eatinger has obviously been on this team a lot longer than she has. So I think if Quinn is able to showcase a lot of her skill set and once again just uh, hold her end of the bargain similar to Hellman, I, I think that Eatinger, that spot is still for hers for the taking. But obviously nothing is solidified, nothing is guaranteed. But I think goaltending was a huge X factor for ASU, just given the fact that they had that snafu of just trying to figure out uh, what was going to happen after McClellan. Well, she is a young goaltender in development right now with Arizona State's women's hockey. But, you know, we did talk a little bit about Joe Ketchum being injured. What do we know about Jessica Dorvinas has been playing on the ice? And you guys know anything about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jess is going to be out. Uh, with injury for a while, probably until December. There is a some sort of injury, lower body injury. Um, that doesn't really hurt ASU more than does it hurt Jessica Rivas. Look, she was one of the players that I was thinking that she was going to be a breakout star hanging into the season, that she was going to steal one of those last blue line spots. But unfortunately, now that she's going to be out for a while, who knows how many games she gets. Also, Lindsay Ellis has also been busy in the offseason, filling up a bunch of defenseman into her team. I mean, we mentioned a bunch of them. Emma Compton is one. Hannah Coons is one. There's a lot of defensemen on this team. Anita Fleming can play both forward and defenseman. There is a lot of stuff that can happen here. So I think this really hurts Jessica Dorvinas more than the team. I look forward to seeing Dorvinas return now. Yeah, I, I think uh, for Doro, it's definitely going to be a slow process getting her back similar to Ketchum. And, uh, but you, you don't want to expedite the process. And uh, she was definitely a big X factor during uh, the WWCHL playoffs because ASU, unfortunately, they did hit a bit of a of a flu bug, if you would. So she definitely had to step up and play some big minutes, and she was able to do so. And she didn't score a goal, but uh, on the blue line, that wasn't her priority. Her priority was to skate really well and just try to once again be a pest defensively. And I think she held her end of the bargain. Well, not just that, Trey, but she also played forward for a bunch of games towards the end of the stretch. She acted as a two-way player, both defenseman and a forward. I think, you know, she's a valuable player, but you see someone like Anita Fleming come in who can do the same exact thing, I think it really hurts her uh, chances of making the lineup when she does return. Well, you know, too, just moving on, guys, uh, you know, it is the summer still, and, you know, it's a really interesting thing because usually when the golfing season begins, that typically means your season is over, but Arizona State's women's hockey is breaking out the golf clubs again here, coming up in the next few weeks about this upcoming golfing tournament coming up, and it seems to be everyone's really excited about that. You hear the players talking about it, the coaches talking about it, even the media talking about it. So what do we know about that? Yeah, super excited for this tournament. This is going to really help the ASU women's hockey team because as a club team, they're funded differently from the NCAA teams, meaning they don't get as much funding. Obviously, they're gonna be traveling a lot more since they are trying to get a stronger schedule. Coach Lindsey Ellis is really trying to impact her squad in the right way, getting her squad prepared for the teams that she'll see in the ACHA National Tournament this year. So this golf tournament will be held, I believe it's uh, Friday, September 9th. Um, it is starting at 12, and not only is there a golf tournament, which is going to be fun, I know Trey golfs a lot, I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, it's okay, Trey. Um, but, you know, break out the golf links. You might as well go. ASU students get a discount if they use the code 
uh, found on the ASU Women's Hockey uh, social media pages, and also the articles are in for ASU Women's Hockey. Also, there's a dinner after it, and nothing beats food. Am I right, Trey? Yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the closest thing I've done to golfing is being a caddy, and I absolutely hated it. But it's really nice, and uh, it's nice to see on their social media page that it seems like they get a new sponsor every day. So it's nice that they're getting that sort of funding and also being a little unique with it. And golfing is a lot of fun. So personally, I don't golf. I don't think we should enter because because <laughs> golf takes four hours on average. And if we're out there, it's going to take eight. But um, uh, yeah, I, it's nice to see that they're getting that funding, that sponsorship. So, so are you saying we're not going to see you out there golfing? Or are we not going to see you? Could you show maybe the, us your golf swing right now? Or you, is that not in your repertoire? I used to play baseball. It's not. It's going to be like a happy Gilmore <laughs> without without the movie dramatics. Uh, well, oh, well, you know, hey, we'll see. That's coming up. But, uh, you know, guys, talking about, you know, team in the WWCHL, the WWCHL defending champs in Arizona State's women's hockey. But uh, let's talk about kind of the league right now where everything's been going. And, you know, Know, this team right now looking like they're going to be favored to win the WWCHL, but uh, what do we know about the other teams? I think if you look around the WWCHL right now, there's a lot of teams kind of in the mishaps like we're still learning what they're doing because half the teams in the WWCHL actually changed coaches. GCU, Utah, Colorado State, all getting new coaches this year. It is a huge change around the WWCHL. ASU seems to be really the only one right now with pure coaching stability obviously Evan Hauser coming on is the only coaching change for ASU but I think if you look around the WWCHL some of these teams are still building up their club which is what we saw ASU do for numerous years they're still in that process I think right now Utah is the only one to be concerned about if they had viable coaching uh, I think they would be a great team and I know Lindsay Ellis is probably that's the scariest team to her in WWCHL you have GCU coming back Again, I think ASU has figured out how to deal with uh, GCU and their physical play, but who knows, with a new coaching staff, it could come up with a new coaching scheme. And honestly, the two Colorado teams, I think they're in a state of rebuilding, especially with uh, the Buffs. They lost Sidney Brown in the offseason. That's a huge loss for them. Who knows what's going to happen to them? And as for CSU, I think they're slowly building up, but they're not there like uh, Utah. Yeah, so I think like we've established, ASU is definitely the favorites heading into the new year. And I, I think uh, the team is rather confident that they can get back to Nationals, but obviously that's months away and you don't want to think too far ahead of yourselves. And uh, I think there was a situation a couple years ago in which I think Joseph was on the call uh, where ASU was favorites to go, but University of Colorado, I believe, was the buffs. Yes. Yeah, the buffs. They, they were the ones who walked away champions. And I know Lindsay Ellis had to give them their trophy because she is the commissioner of the, the league as well. So it's just like, yeah, you want to be confident, but at the same time, you don't want to underestimate your competition either. So when we talk about GCU, I think GCU just gives ASU a lot of fits just because uh, they know how to rattle their cages a little bit. And uh, you, they, they like to get underneath the skin of, of these Arizona State players. So I think for ASU, it's definitely uh, their their type of games to, to win, but they just got to play their game, not play down to their competition, but at the same time, do not underestimate your competition because uh, while you're uh, sleeping on them, uh, your competition might rise to the occasion and try to come away with the upset victory. 
Well, we'll see how that goes. But let's take a look at uh, the upcoming schedule because we've been talking about that and you know looking at some of the schedule and some of these games and how tough they're going to be because we know the home openers against Maryville, a team they played in nationals, but uh, a lot of tough games on the schedule coming up. Yeah, I was actually talking to someone about this. Uh, uh, Billy Lumberger, actually. Um, we went through the schedule and we kind of like uh, sh talked about what was uh, going on with that. Um, I think your hardest games are going to be there is a uh, Eastern kind of uh, road trip in um, Missouri slash Indiana, or sorry, Illinois, where they do play McKendry, they do play Maryville. They play these two teams that are really good. McKendry actually beat Liberty's 50 plus game winning streak. So this is a hard team to beat. Maryville obviously handing ASU their first loss in the ACHA National Tournament last year. Um, I think that's, that's going to be right? the hardest stretch for them. They also do play the Colorado teams twice in one day. That might be a hard one, but I think honestly for me, their hardest games on the schedule are the Illinois slash Missouri teams. And also Lakeland, let's not forget about Lakeland. They're a Canadian U uh, team. That could be a very tough challenge for them. I think uh, the, the stretch of games I'm looking at is like November and December because that's where you start to make or break your team a little bit because the thing is, is like you can't really get a good gauge of your team and where you're at first couple weeks into the season. Nobody can. But once you get to that halfway point, it's like, okay, what's working? What's not working? And keep in mind, like we said moments ago, GCU, they know how to rattle the cages of ASU and they got to play them a couple times during that month stretch. So. I think for ASU, just given uh, mentally, physically, and also past history with uh, GCU, you got to factor that in. And also, that's a way where you can uh, gauge your team and see where you're at. I think ASU is extremely lucky with their final stretch of the season because they play mainly WWCHL teams heading into the playoffs. They play Utah. They play some of the uh, Colorado teams. They play GCU in the final series of the whole year. I think uh, that stretch could really inflate the record, but the hardest stretch for me is obviously against all these Eastern teams because that's what Lindsay Ellis wanted to do. She wanted to play Eastern teams. She scheduled these Eastern teams for a reason, and that's to go into the ACHA National Tournament prepared for this because obviously they weren't last year, and that kind of sunk them. Well, just going in, just looking at the WWCHL playoffs real quick, you know, like, do, should they win the, the WWCHL? Do we look at them going back to nationals? Do you guys think that's a lock for this team? I think Trey is right to, you know, not get too cocky. I think that's such a fair assumption. But I think in the end, I'm taking ASU uh, every day anyway. I think the additions they made, especially on the blue line, incredible, especially Hannah Coons. I'm really looking forward to seeing her play. And Brianne Powell, these two players are very fast, along with Paige Ring. Most of the rookies they brought in will make their team a lot faster. I think compared to most of their uh, WWCHL opponents, they are way better. They're more ACHA Nationals prepared. I think the one team that you might see give them issues, GCU maybe, but I think it's gonna be Utah because Utah has a lot of good rookies now going to the sophomore year along with a great goalie. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's way too early to tell, but if I had to pick a favorite, I would go with ASU all day, every day, and twice on Sundays. But at the same time, it's a very long season, and there's some things that you can't control because we talked about Ketchum and, and Doro being uh, injured. So it's just like you don't know what else could happen. You don't know what other occurrences could 
uh, factor in that you can't really control. I say get to that month of November and December to get a better gauge of where your team is at. So if I had to pick, I'd say yes. The, the preseason favorites are definitely ASU. And even if they weren't the preseason favorites, they're still the defending champs. So that's never an easy feat in any sport or league to try to dethrone champions because they know what worked, they know what didn't work, and they're rather confident going into the year. But the thing is, it's like, once again, very long season. You don't want to underestimate your competition. Some things you uh, have to factor in is that there's some outcomes you can't really control. So that's my thing, which is, yes, I'll pick ASU, but very long season. So this is an ASU team, though, guys, that we know who's coming off their best season in program history last season, and now they're coming in again. You know, I mean, we know the strength of schedule is harder just looking at it, but, you know, what should we expect out of this team? Should we expect more wins, or what should that look like? Uh, I wouldn't expect more wins because they do have a tougher schedule. I think that if they played the same schedule they had last year, I think they would have more wins uh, from this team compared to the last one, but this is a tougher schedule. I'm predicting six losses. I forgot how many wins I had in the season. I went through it the other day, actually, but uh, I'm expecting this team to perform better offensively because they have these speedy rookies, and that was a huge problem last year was their speed. I think they're going to tally a lot more offense this year. I think having Sam Murphy a whole year is going to help. I think having uh, Sam Murphy and Sidney Paulson's chemistry is going to help. Carson Hellman for a full year. It's going to really help this season. And I think heading into Nationals, I think they're, they're going to play more coolly uh, than last year. They know what to expect in Nationals now. They've been there before. The question is, what will they do in Nationals? I, it's too early for a prediction in Nationals yet. But if I had to say now, I'm really confident in this team. I think they could really, um, they could really do some damage, at least win a game in Nationals. Well, like I said, with these uh, early predictions, it's really hard to get a good gauge, and definitely uh, they do have a tougher schedule. But the one thing I'm a little concerned about for ASU, you talked about their speed. Yeah, last season we saw them run north-south uh, style type of hockey, and uh, I, I love east-west uh, type of style. I love those breakout passes. I love when you play with speed, but that's just not ASU's game. But the one thing I'm a little concerned about is that they have a lot of gaps to try to fill, especially offensively, because – Mason Walker unexpectedly uh, retired a little early, and, and Walker was one of the point-per-game players for ASU. So my thing is, is like, uh, I, I want to be rather confident for ASU, but given the tougher schedule, given the departures, and given just those types of factors, has me a little concerned if I'm being completely honest. Well, we know the schedule, and we know how everything's going to look. And the first game of the season is coming up very soon, and we know they play Maryville. So let's just dive into that a little bit here before we go. Um, you know, the season preview against Maryville, they have a two-game series right here at the, the Mountain Community Iceplex. And what should we be expecting out of that game? Because this is an ASU team who played Maryville back in the first game of the uh, Nationals, and they lost. So now they're on home ice. A little bit of a different scene, though. It is the regular season. It is is also game one. So should be a tough game, though, as well. I was fortunate to attend that game against Maryville, so I got to see what really went down that game. Um, it was a very close game. I am not going to sugarcoat it. It was extremely close. If ASU put a little more pep in the step, I think they could have easily tied or won that game. It was a close one, guys. Um, I don't know the exact additions that Maryville made over the offseason, but if they're the same team from last season, I think ASU has a good chance. Um, I think Carson Hellman is going to grow stronger. They already touched on all the new additions. 
But I think compared from last year, it's a better team that Maryville is going to be facing. It is the beginning of the season. That is really going to testify if ASU is ready for the season. That you know We've seen some strong teams before start not that great and then end fantastic heading into the end of the season. So if I had to predict the series, I think it's going to be a split series. I think it's going. they're going to split the series and I think they're going to be close games. I think they're going to be some of the most fun games to watch as a fan to see this season. Let me tell you about the three R's. Revenge, rematch, remix. And that's exactly what we're going to see when ASU takes on Maryville because like you said, Chase, there's, a, there's pride at stake for ASU because they felt like they got bounced out a little too early in nationals. So I always love seeing these type of revenge games because last year we saw this when ASU went up against uh, the Colorado Buffs, which was uh, this was a team that, that had eliminated them the season prior during the playoffs. I know Lindsey Ellis wasn't too happy to present the trophy at the end of it. So my thing is like, I, and, and what happened? ASU absolutely thrashed the, the uh, Colorado. So I really want to see that going into this new season. And that's one way to kick off your, your, your year. That's one heck of a way to do it, which is you're facing a team that eliminated you right out the gate. You don't have to wait around. So that's my thing, which is I'm really excited to see the three R's, revenge, rematch, remix. And, and just speaking of that too, you know, talking about how exciting this team is, you know, those freshmen coming on to this season should, should make a pretty big impact to this team because we know what the rookies did last season, but now we have some more rookies coming in, should make a lot of difference here on this team. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's going to be an exciting time for those rookies. I think we've covered them extensively, but I think, you know, heading into the Maryville series, I think what uh, Joe said you saw Tristan Craig and Cameron Kozak score their first ever ACHA goals in the first series last year against Utah might see something in here I think if I would have to take a prediction I would say you see Sam Murphy and Sydney Paulson do something fantastic and start the season off but first goal prediction you know I'm gonna go with a sleeper here I think Paige Ring is gonna score her first goal of the series wow wow so my thing with rookies is that I'm excited for them, but at the same time, you really can't get a good sense of like how they'll fit in with the team because it's just like you're just gonna, that's going to take some time for for any program. So that's my thing, which is I'm really excited to see all these new additions because I think having spoken to Lindsay yesterday, she said there's like 10 new additions to this 13. roster. 13, over over 10. So. 13 new additions to this roster. So this is kind of uncharted territory for the team. This is uncharted territory for us because we've grown so accustomed to the old roster. Now we're going to have to dust off our scorebooks and just say, okay, who's this and what's their number and what's their strengths, what's their weaknesses. But obviously when you get to the college level, your game develops, your game changes a little bit. So if you are an offensive minded player in high school, you might have to convert to a defensive minded role and vice versa. So, I'm excited to see how the rookies uh, fare out, but at the same time, you know, there's just, we talk about the X factors you can't control, which is you got to factor in comfortability. How will you fit in with this system? How will you mesh with your teammates? Because chemistry and camaraderie does not happen overnight. It takes time. So I think that's a big X factor going into the new season, which is you just got to be patient. So I'm excited once again, and this is how I'll wrap it up. I'm excited to see how the rookies develop, but at the same time, 
We just got to give them time and a little bit of a longer leash so they can form that camaraderie and also comfortability of meshing with their new teammates. You know, too, just going back here to the schedule again, you know, we know this team is having a couple home games, but one of the things that is not set out there, this team is also going to be playing at multiple home rinks. You know, not only are they going to be playing right here in Tempe, but they're going to be playing in Scottsdale, Gilbert, a couple places. So that might affect the home ice advantage just a little bit playing a couple teams, especially like GCU, who plays them very close here at home. Yeah, so ASU is going to see a lot of different Arizona ice this year. Obviously, we saw that kind of last year, Oceanside, Mullet Arena, and this iceplex, of course. Uh, you're going to see that a lot more this year. You're going to see Gilbert this year. You're going to see Mesa. You're going to see uh, AZ Ice Arcadia. And you're also going to see the Mount America Credit Union Iceplex. Uh, obviously, this is going to be their home base. This is where they're going to play most of their games. But it's going to be interesting because they will have to travel all around Arizona. I know from experience, driving the AZ Ice Gilbert from downtown Tempe, especially sometimes with the traffic, is a pain in the butt. So we'll see what happens. Maybe Mole Arena will pop into the equation this year. Who knows? Uh, but right now, those are the four confirmed uh, Arizona ice rinks. It's going to be interesting what we see out of those. Yeah, I mean, you talked about having some different ice rinks and having to adjust on the fly. But quite honestly, I don't think that's going to be a huge factor because, like you just said, they've had some practice. So obviously, you had to deal with Oceanside. You had to deal with this iceplex, Mountain America Community Iceplex. And and also Mullet Arena. So I think we can all agree that while it was nostalgic, Oceanside's ice not really up to par. And I mean that respectfully. And then we look at this iceplex, it's really good. I heard rumors saying that Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs loves using this rink when he comes back to the Phoenix area, then Mullet Arena. That's a little bit different because it has to meet uh, NHL standards because the Arizona Coyotes are currently renting it out. So I think it, it does play somewhat of a factor, but I don't think it's a huge factor because this team had to do that a lot last season. I mean, Joe and I can attest. This is pretty good ice back here. <laughs> well, we didn't see Chase getting on the ice. So I'm like, Trey. Trey, sorry, you try, try getting on the ice. Always get your guys' Come names on, Joseph, confused. Come on, Joseph, be better. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just, oh, just I'm not getting on. Oh, I'm not getting on the rink. I will be your biggest cheerleader from the bench. Oh. I, I ain't getting on that rink, okay? I like my teeth. I like my uh, wrists. I'm sure Sam Murphy would love to see you on the rink out here. I'm sure the, she would. We, had we all would. Skate with some of the teams. I don't. But, but anyways, let's take a look, though, at some of the projected lineups for the, the girls this season and what they're going to look like. Because we kind of know what that first line already is going to come out to. Joe Ketchum, Sam Murphy, you know. But uh, we got them up here for you. That, that projected first line that, Chase, you were looking at putting together. Ellie McKenna, Brianna Powell, Logan Satera, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, this is a tad bit outdated simply because uh, they did add some new players onto this team. But this is kind of the basic skeleton that you'll see. Um, I think you'll see Jill Ketchum, Sam Murphy, and Sydney Paulson around the same lines again because they do have good chemistry. I really like Maddie Messenbrink on the bottom uh, couple of lines because I do think she provides that physical element that a lot of players don't have. I like Haley Martin on that third line as well. Anita Fleming, you put her on defense, offense, put her whatever. Uh, I love that first line. I think Logan Satura had a coming out party in the playoffs last year, five points in four games. And then, uh, of course, I get a point in the ACHA National Tournament. One of the only Sun Devils last year to record a point in that tournament. Um, but I think the only other thing I would make, I would move Paige Ring up there. I really like Paige Ring's game. Yeah, yeah it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, factor. But I think my biggest X factors are definitely Logan Satara. 
and uh, Tristan Craig because I want to see what they do in year two on this program. We've already seen Cindy Polson thrive and able to uh, put up some big point production, but obviously Craig and Satara. Satara did have to deal with an injury, and Craig, sometimes she had it in a game, not really all that consistent, but I'm really excited to see what Satara and Craig could potentially do because they're my two biggest X factors going into next season. What could they do in year two? How do they develop? And how have they readjusted to this program? Well, well, we know about the offense right now, those projected lineups, but how about the defense? You know, we know they do have some adjustments they made on the back end and those those six defensemen that they are carrying. But uh, let's take a look at those right now. We've got a graph for you guys right on the screen right now here. The projected defensive pairings for ASU women's hockey in the upcoming 2023-24 season. And, you know, a couple of rookies too making it up there, Chase. You have there on the first line. I'm not going to lie, this is definitely going to change because they did bring in uh, more players after this. Um, but I think this is the basic outline of what you're going to say. I think that top four are, is the four you're going to see. I really like Hannah Coons. I like her game. She played amazing last year with the Calgary Chaos. I think you're going to see her on that top line. Maddie Platson with her. I think Coons is more of a offensive defenseman. Platson's more of that defensive defenseman. And you have Berkeley Radcliffe, Mia Jarvis on that second pairing. I really like that pairing as well. I think uh, Berkeley Radcliffe is due for a bounce back season, kind of going back to her 2021-2022 season where she did have a lot of points. That third pairing can switch, honestly, on the dime. Sammy Lush, Sophie Fossil, Amanda Benson. I think Lush is in there no matter what. She's been on this team for a very long time. And unless something crazy happens, then we're probably going to see Lush stay in that bottom pairing. Sophie Fossil, Amanda Benson. Um, again, I haven't seen a lot of footage from these two players, so you can twist them. You can add in more of their uh, players that they just brought in. What's well, going to be very interesting, that blue line, it can rotate any moment. So we talked about uh, uh, some of the departures, and one of the departures I want to talk about is Flo Odd because she and um, uh, Maddie Platten had some good uh, chemistry on that top defensive pairing. So I'm excited to see how Lindsay will mix and match this a little bit because – the one thing I think is icing on the cake when it comes to pairing defensemen along each side each other is that you got one defenseman who's offensive-minded because that's the name uh, of the modern NHL, which is find uh, a defenseman who is capable of scoring. And then you, you go a little bit more classic, which is that stay-at-home defenseman. So the defenseman who has a good plus-minus, defensive point shares, blocks, hits, just those metrics in order to uh, help your team succeed. So I think that's what I want to look for in these defensive pairings. Like, who is going to be that offensive dynamic player? Who's going to be focused more on the defensive side of things? Because I really like the, those types of dynamics throughout uh, hockey world. So, so now that we've taken a look here and we've got a chance to look at the, the forwards, the projected forwards, and the projected defense, and, but uh, guys, you know, do we have any breakout uh, players here this upcoming season that you guys like to uh, shine some light on here from this one? I mean, absolutely. There's a lot of players you could choose from. Um, I think uh, obviously any of the rookies you can choose. I, I, you can choose any of the rookies, like, and you could have a good bet there. I'm going to go original. I'm going to go original roster, and I'm going to have to go with Logan Satura because of what she did in last year's playoffs. She really impressed me. Uh, five points in those uh, couple of uh, WWCHL playoff games, and then you did have a point in that uh, last uh, – uh, ACHA tournament, uh, national tournament playoff game. So I think she could really break out. And if you put her with the li right line mates, I think with someone like Brand Powell, who is speedy and complements Satura's speed as well, 
she can really break out. And I think another great guess is Haley Martin, because if you put her with somewhere, someone else, you know, you could have a great player there. I think we all know the Sam Murphy's, the Jill Catchums, the Sydney Paulson's at this point, but those would be the two I would look out for, especially on the forward group. Okay, I'm going to be somewhat controversial. Go ahead. I am. Uh, you just alluded to Sam and Jill. Well, I'm going to pick them to have some breakout performances because here's the thing. We talked about it way earlier in this show, which is uh, we talked about the point production for Jill Ketchum going down a little bit, and she's also coming back from injury. But guess who's back? It's Sam Murphy, her line mate. So I think uh, if you factor that in, I think Sam can help uh, Jill's game thrive a little bit more, get back to what it once was. And then uh, on the flip side of that is like Sam, she transferred out of ASU, then transferred back, and now uh, she had only half a season to readjust, and this was the home stretch for ASU to try to get to the playoffs and try to punch her ticket to Boston for nationals. But I think for Sam, it, it's not that her production was bad, but I think she could definitely take it to new heights. That's my thing. That's definitely fair. Yeah, I'm excited to see what she could do with a full season, no uh, other factors like having to readjust or – get uh, uh, acquainted back into the Arizona lifestyle or things of that nature. So I'm going to pick Sam and Jill, not because they were bad, but I just think that they, they have yet to take their uh, games to new heights. I don't think they've hit their ceiling yet. Well, you know, we'll see about that. It should be uh, some, some fun, exciting games here. But what game are you guys also most looking forward to here on the, the schedule then? There's a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of good choices. Uh, they're playing a lot of tough opponents. I think the home opener is very exciting because they are playing Maryville, which is the team that knocked them out or sorry, made them lose the first game last year. Um, I think that will be an exciting matchup, especially that first uh, being the first home game series. I think, um, you know, GCU is obviously a fun opponent, but I really like this Lakeland matchup because they're a mysterious team. Obviously, we don't know a lot of them as Americans. Uh, they are a Canadian university. We could see a very fun matchup. It could be close. It could be far-fetched. But it's also at a new rink, so that will be fun to see. Uh, I'm looking forward to Maryville and GCU, like I've been talking about on this show, because we just talk about the three R's, revenge, rematch, remix. And on the flip side of that, I already touched on Maryville and ASU's history. But now uh, for GCU, it's like, okay, this is a team that beat us twice in the playoffs despite us uh, thinking that we had them right where we wanted them and trying to get them to play down to uh, our level. And now I think GCU with their new coaching staff, maybe we'll see a new culture, a new game plan, and a new playbook, that, and maybe they have a few tricks up their sleeves. Well, don't forget, this is the last year that we're going to only see two Arizona teams because U of A is coming next season. So I think GCU is going to try their hardest to get that Cactus Cup uh, while there's only two teams before U of A comes in and makes it more of a difficult challenge. Well, you know, too, guys, one of the things is just looking back into this team, you know, we're talking about forward, defense, everything, but let's jump into the special teams because we know ASU last season, their power play really struggled last season, okay? They were under 20%. They were really struggling, but they do have some new additions, so maybe they're going to shake some things up on the power play. What's that going to be looking like here coming up this season? Well, I think you definitely will shake things up on the power play, especially because Mason Walker is gone and you have more uh, offense coming in. You have all these rookies coming in, so you're going to see different special teams. I would have to think that you put Jill Ketchum, Sam Murphy, and Sidney Paulson or something along the lines of that into one of your special teams. I think, you know, like Trey alluded to, a bounce-back season, these special teams could go nuts if you have that line on.
So penalty kill for ASU was pretty solid. It, it, it was anywhere from mediocre to all right, nothing, nothing special. But in terms of their power play, very big disappointment. In fact, there was a few stretch of games where they didn't get a single power play goal, and they had plenty full of opportunities to do so. So my thing is, like, when you're on the man advantage, you really got to capitalize on it, especially if you're being given so many chances. So I think the key for ASU, get those pucks to the net, get those redirects, uh, basically hang in front of the net, play a power forward type of uh, uh, style of hockey to try to muster that, that, that puck into the back of the net. So that's my thing, which is the power play just really disappointed me last season, and I just expected a little bit better. And obviously, I, I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but the departures of some of their offensive dynamic players has me a little concerned a little bit. It's not that they don't have any, but they're just going to have to get readjusted and adapt on the fly. So that's my thing when it comes to the power play for ASU, which is it did disappoint me last year, but I think they can bounce back and just uh, try to go anywhere but down because, like like I said, there there's no place for them to go but up. So that's my that's my thing, which is just got to readjust on the power play. Okay, so, you know, we're looking at the power play, trying to improve the power play, but uh, who are some players maybe that could, you know, get to come back and try to have a better year this season because we saw some players just only scoring one goal last year, struggling in points. We did see that that first line, you know, we know Sam Murphy's putting up the points, Mason Walker, Sidney Paulson, you know, those type of players. But what type of players stand out to you guys that uh, maybe we're going to try to come back and have a better year here in the sophomore season or, you know, whatever year level they are here this season? I'm going to go with two answers here, and the first one might actually be controversial. I, I don't know, Trey. I, it might be controversial. I might be going up your alley here. First Welcome off, to the dark side. <laughs> uh, first off, Sidney Paulson last year was not the best, honestly. Five points in ten games, and then she really stepped it up. Her second half was absolutely outstanding. So I think first half, Sydney Paulson, a rebound from her would be awesome to hear um, and see. I think we'll see that. Um, I think we're going to see a full-fledged Sydney Paulson go out and score a crap ton of points. Um, but I think if we're going uh, forwards, defensemen, other than the players that obviously had a good year, I'm going to go with Logan Satur again. I really think she can really bounce back. You know, she was very disappointing during the regular season. But I think uh, if she does step up what she did in the playoffs, I really think Satura could be a huge bounce-back candidate here. Uh, Berkeley Radcliffe was one I mentioned on the other show. I think you could see her uh, definitely put up more points, especially with some more uh, defensive pairings. Obviously, they kind of rolled with the same defensive pairings last season and didn't really mesh well, but I think Berkeley can really score some points uh, going into this season. Well, you know, Trey, too, and just going to that after what Chase said, and how about some X-Factor players, you know, players that might need to uh, improve just a little bit more? So the one thing I look for X-Factor players is that they're in that happy median of star player and unsung hero because the thing is, is like they, they play really well and they have a huge uh, assistance on the roster, but maybe they're not going to be given their roses or they're not going to be given the credit they deserve. So I think, uh, in, my, in my opinion, I think Haley Martin was a decent x-factor type of player because mm. one thing i saw from martin was that was the point production high no but i saw her play somewhat physical maybe a little too physical because she spent some time in the penalty box but at the end of the day I, I i look back to that game against michigan state the second one in which martin set up uh, uh murphy on a on a great dime and got a great assist so i think that's a little bit of what Haley martin brought to the roster which is 
just like setting up her teammates and playing a bit of a physical style uh, of game. It's not perfect, but at the same time, I think she is a definitely an X Factor player, and you picked her to be sort of that breakout type of uh, player yeah. and have that sort of role. Absolutely. I mean, Haley Martin could really break out this season, especially with new linemen. Well, guys, I mean, we're getting close and close to the end, but uh, any final thoughts here on the uh, the regular season? Um, I think it's going to be a tougher challenge, obviously, um, with a tougher schedule. They are playing, as we mentioned, Maryville, McKendry, um, Lakeland. They are playing these tougher teams, but I think they're, they're going to be way above 500. I think they're going to be the best team in the WWCHL, and I don't think it will be close. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a competitive season. I think we're going to see a lot of fun games, and that's what I have to say. I think my uh, season wrap-up for ASU is just like, they got to uh, know that they are the defending champs, and as a result, a lot of teams are going to be gunning for you. So that's my thing. You can never get too comfortable. You can never uh, just uh, say, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk. And even though I think a lot of people are saying that they're the favorites, a lot of crazier things have happened. A lot of crazier things have occurred. So I think, And they've been in this situation before, like we've talked plentiful on this show. So I think the thing for ASU, which is, is like, I think they do have their eyes set on that cup and trying to punch their ticket back to nationals, which I believe is going to be in St. Louis this year. So yep. my, my, my thing is like, uh, you have your eye on the prize, but do not underestimate your competition. Do not underestimate your competitors because they are going to be gunning for you because they want to dethrone those champs. I was going to say, you know, we can talk a little bit about Nationals and some of those teams who are looking to compete in St. Louis because Liberty's been seeming like the team to beat, but Lindsay Ellis has been telling her team she wants to be the team that knocks that team off and, and, and gets his team going and trying to win their first ACHA National Championship. <laughs> we know head coach Lindsay Ellis did win a National Championship with Miami, but this is a team right now who's looking to improve from last season and also trying to knock off uh, those big teams like your Adrian College, like Liberty <laughs> University. Hey, I'll, I'll – I'm up. What? <laughs> you were laughing. I'm gonna pull a tab out of the history books here. I'm not gonna lie, I, like I said, I saw the national tournament. I went to the, uh, I saw the finals between Liberty and Minot. It was a very, very close game. It was super, super close. This could be Liberty. That could have been Liberty's last year. I think uh, it's very possible that we see a different uh, person. Uh, or sorry, a different team win. Oh, yeah, no I think Minot definitely has a okay, good yeah, yeah. chance of doing that. Well, I think there are a lot of teams going out there because Liberty has lost some key uh, pieces in the offseason, and I bet all the teams are smelling blood in the water and going for it. See, you talked about McKendry ending uh, Liberty University's uh, win streak, but uh, how many games did they win in, uh, before losing, uh, might I add? Uh, 50, <laughs> 54, something like that? It was something like that, Trey. They, they were bound to lose at some point. They couldn't keep winning forever. Look. The thing is, Liberty is, by and large, the favorites once again to win because they've won it for, like, what, five straight years? They're a very dominant program, having covered ACHA hockey on the women's side for, I believe this is my fifth year going into it. I'm getting old. But, um, yeah, it's like I think Liberty is the favorites. And I get that a lot of teams want to be uh, the team that upsets Liberty and knocks them out the playoffs. and. It, they're, they're definitely tough. Liberty University, you cannot underestimate them because I remember covering a game a few years ago in which um, Liberty went down 3 nothing early, but what happened, they went on to a 5-on-3 advantage. They got that power play goal, and that was basically the, uh, the, the kick in the pants that they needed in order to just try to uh, get back into the game. And as a result, that three-goal uh, 
uh, deficit that they once faced was completely erased and Liberty came out victorious. So my thing for Liberty is that, and we saw this when they came to Arizona last year, which is, yes, they are a very good team. They are the real deal. And I would like to see a, a different national champion. But for the most part, in my honest journalistic opinion, <laughs> um, I, I think Liberty is still the favorite. Well, that is going to do it here for this one on another episode of What You Talk About. You can stream all the games here of ASU Women's Hockey on Facebook Live and also check out Inferno TV, which all the games will also be broadcasted on, too, and Twitter on the radio. But that's going to do it here for another show, guys, and uh, for our entire production crew, for Trey Matthews, Chase Beardsley, our Walla director, I'm Joe Furtado saying so long one last time here of ASU Women's Hockey. We'll see you guys next time.